podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar. And today with me, I'm back with my co-host, Jack Vandermotter. Glad to be back. And we also have a special guest, our friend, Mark Virgin. Welcome to the show, Mark. Fellas, thanks for having me on. And John, I owe you an apology, actually, because the start of the basketball season, you boldly predicted that Colin Sexton would make the NBA All-Star team. And he's having a pretty good start to the season. Focus on the All-NBA nomination, not the All-Star nomination, though. Merit, not popularity. Could go through a whole rant, but that's really not the purpose of why I'm here uh, talking on the Hottest Take Sports podcast with both of you. But thanks for having me on. Of course. It's it's a pleasure to have you. We're really happy to have you. And just quickly on Sexton, I got to give props to Jack, too, because he was on that. Like you said yesterday, we're only four or five games in, so there's still a lot of ball to be played for him. But... I'm expecting big things with him for the rest of the season. He got a shout-out from Dwayne Wade, who was, helps his uh, All-Star nod a little bit, but I don't know. He probably, he's probably he got a lot of work to do still. So, But, yeah, let's hop into the main topic of this episode. It's our Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers playoff preview. And we really want to bring in Mark for this because Mark runs a podcast called Believe in Steelers. Yeah, Believe in Steelers. I also do the Browns Nation Station, so... Two AFC North teams going head to head, and it's nice because I can watch one game and I don't have to focus on two games at once. At the same time, my allegiances are divided here, and you have an AFC North matchup where you see two teams that will play each other three times in one season, which doesn't happen all that often. And you have the Browns in the playoffs for the first time since the 2002 season, January 5th, 2003. Guys, I was nine years old when this game happened. This is well before social media. Eminem's Lose Yourself was the top song in the world. And the top movie in the box office was Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Like, <laughs> were you guys, like, what, five years old when three? this last happened? It's been a while. Yeah, 2002 or three. I don't even yeah. remember. I just know Kelly Holcomb was our quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger was still at Miami of Ohio. So that's ages ago. Yeah, and with Holcomb, I know he was filling in for Tim Couch, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. I know a lot of people have gotten into Baker Mayfield and whether the Browns should pick up his, the fifth-year option on his rookie deal. He's now started back-to-back seasons of 16 games, and the last Browns quarterback to do that, Tim Couch. It just shows you the instability <laughs> at the quarterback position that the Browns have had up until this point. In comes Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry. You have adults in the building running this team and this organization now. And the Browns finished the season 11-5, and five, getting a win over Pittsburgh and not having to rely on, upon other teams to get into the playoffs. And you have three teams in the AFC North in the playoffs now between the Browns, the Steelers, and the Ravens. And look, guys, I'm on record saying this. I've been banging this drum home now for months. I believe that the AFC North is the best division in all the NFL, even better than the NFC West. And you show, you see what Baker Mayfield's done at the quarterback position, what Lamar Jackson's done for the Ravens. Father Time's going to catch Big Ben eventually. He's 38 years old. He's got one year, uh, one year left on his contract beyond this season. And so Steelers have to kind of figure out what they're going to do at the quarterback position, given the talent of the young signal callers in the AFC North. And so a lot on the table there. 
in this playoff game, but then beyond this season as well. But it's certainly an exciting time as we head into the postseason. And real quick, you also have Joe Burrow, who, you know, coming into next year and seasons, you know, leading on to that, when Big Ben kind of does end up retiring, Burrow's going to kind of take that his role as a star quarterback in the AFC North. So that's going to be something to watch out for for years to come. Yeah, the Browns don't have an easy path ahead of them, but they do have a path right now, and that's the 2021 playoffs. Starting this Sunday, January 10th at 8.30 on NBC, the Browns got primetime, baby. They got the 8.30 slot ahead of like the Buccaneers and stuff, so this is a huge game, and there's some big storylines heading into this one, too. Yeah, some quick storylines before we get into some keys of the game. Just to, We'll talk about the game a little bit more. Olivier Vernon, who got injured in the game versus Steelers, he has torn his Achilles. He's out for the season, obviously. And it'll be interesting to kind of see if he maybe has played his last game in a Browns uniform. That's something to monitor. Really sad, though, because he was really kind of balling in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. I talked to my dad a little bit about this. Let me hop in with Vernon. Yeah, My dad's a huge baseball fan, and he... He got that love from his dad, and they always used to call it the September salary drive, where you'll get teams that aren't in the playoffs of players that will kind of boost their stats and try a little bit harder in meaningless games. Vernon's in a contract season this year, fellas, and I know he's graded out pretty well on PFF. I know he's got nine sacks on this season. It is a huge loss opposite Miles Garrett because Garrett hasn't quite been right since he's had COVID-19. And he was up for Defensive Player of the Year consideration before he missed those two games. And he hasn't quite been right. I know that they even said he was getting some treatment with learning how to breathe again in in terms of how he's dealing with the after effects and the impact of having coronavirus. And so losing Vernon opposite him and really when when Vernon lines up over a team's right tackle, most quarterbacks in the league are right-handed. And so the fact that he's been in opposing quarterbacks face play after play, after play, after play, he has played more consistently this season for the Browns, but just given salary cap constraints. And then if you are going to extend Baker Mayfield on that fifth year option or give him a long-term extension, eventually you're going to have to sign Nick Chubb as well. There's only so much money that can go around. So I think Vernon's probably played his last game as a member of the Cleveland Browns because he's going to see top dollar in the offseason. At the same time, what kind of production are you going to get from him with an Achilles injury? Maybe the Browns can give him a hometown discount because that really impacts his ability in this upcoming offseason. Your heart kind of goes out to him in that sense. Yeah, it, it definitely sucks with a loss for him. And I think it's big, too, because he's been great against the run this year. And not even to mention that, like, he has nine sacks in the past nine games, and he's, like, just really turned on this back half of the season. As soon as Miles Garrett went out and he was kind of forced to take over, you know, the primary pass rush on the Browns, he kind of really turned it on. You hate to see it, like you said, before a contract year because that's just going to, I mean, he's he's lost so much money on that injury alone and not that that's what he's really concerned about at this time. I'm sure he just wants to get healthy and wants the Browns to win, but you really hate to see it for a guy like Vernon who's been around the league and has probably done so much for this Browns team this year. Yeah, and just talking more about the defense, someone that was out last game that was just huge for the Browns was Denzel Ward. We're hoping he'll be back for the wild card game. Considering he had COVID, his timeline would have put him out till Saturday, but the Browns play on Sunday, and the beauty of it is he could be back. The thing is, we saw what happened with Miles. Could Denzel even be back to full health on Sunday if he's back? 
That's a good question. That's the million dollar question because it's not just Ward who is out. Anderson Deho, another starter in your secondary. And I know he takes his lumps. I know he always seems to be a half second behind, but he is a starter. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, he wasn't even supposed to be starting at the very beginning of this season because you lose Grant Delpit to an injury. He's out for the rest of the season. And so the Browns need all the help that they can get in the secondary because that's not this team's strength. That's not the back sevens really not. You've got Miles Garrett up front. You had Vernon, a little bit of a pass rush, which can make life easier on the back end. But getting Ward back is going to be huge. And I thought that that was something that the Steelers didn't quite take enough advantage of in the Week 17 matchup in the sense that the Steelers' strength is their wide receiving depth with guys like Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster. It's really kind of a pick your poison because each of those guys' strengths and skill sets complement each other. They're all different. And that's one thing where Mason Rudolph as a backup quarterback is a pretty good deep ball passer. He's filling in for Big Ben, and he found Chase Claypool for a deep touchdown pass. That deep pass to Deontay Johnson, which set up the Juju Smith-Schuster touchdown. I mean, guys, we might be talking about a different result if the Steelers convert a two-point conversion. And obviously – Rudolph threw it over Chase Claypool's head and the Browns prevail and go on to win to secure a playoff position. But with Big Ben coming back and his ability to get the ball and to distribute the ball out to his receivers quickly, that serves as the Steelers. The quick passing game serves as the Steelers running game because they've struggled to run the football this season. And so getting Ward back is going to be key for the Browns secondary because Big Ben's a veteran quarterback. He's in year 17. He knows what to do in terms of how to find his guys in space to get them the ball to allow them to make plays. Ward, an all-pro cornerback, uh, Pro Bowl cornerback, coming into his own right as a young player in this league, the Browns need him in the secondary. And I think his return and how he plays is going to be a key in the AFC wildcard matchup between the Browns and the Steelers. Yeah, 100%. I, I put in a note here earlier that Mason Rudolph – had the most 20-plus yard passes of any Steelers quarterback in a game this season. But I don't expect that to be the case at all with Big Ben. I think it's going to be a completely different game. Like you said, the short passing is going to be a lot more prevalent because, big, like you said, week 17, or year 17, excuse me, Big Ben's arm is not the same as it used to be. He probably won't be taking as many deep shots to, Clay, to chase Claypool and T Deontay Johnson as he did, as you saw Mason Rudolph do in our last game. So... Getting Ward back, in, who's a guy who can is fast and can stick with those guys coming across the middle, is going to be huge. And I think, honestly, a 75% healthy Denzel Ward is better than a fully healthy Robert Jackson. Yeah, and the Browns aren't the only ones facing COVID on their team. The Steelers are, too. They've had an outbreak the entire season. And one person that's been affected by that is Joe Hayden recently. And he's out for the game on Sunday, and that hurts them, too, because he's been playing at a high level this year. They've also had many, many guys deal with COVID, and Eric Ebron's also on the co close contact list. That's a great point, and you're talking about a two-point game in Week 17. And think about all the guys that were out for the Steelers, whether it was COVID-related or they just decided to rest them. Your casual fan's going to know about Big Ben. Marquise Pouncey, Pro Bowl offensive lineman. TJ Watt, who's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He leads the league in sacks, tackles for loss, quarterback hits. Cam Hayward, who, in my opinion, is the most important player on the Steelers' defense in, look, like you build your house from the ground up, right? It all starts at the line of scrimmage. And that's going to be another key matchup in Sunday's game is how does Cam Hayward 
stack up against a guy like uh, Wyatt Teller up front, the, the Browns guard a, against the Steelers defensive tackle. That's going to be a huge, huge battle in determining whether the Browns can establish the running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And you talk about a lot of a lot of other players, Joe Hayden out, Chris Boswell, who is historically one of the most accurate kickers in the league. You can look this up. He has one of the best percentages of any kicker in league history. He was out with an injury. And then Terrell Edmonds starting safety. And so you've got a lot of guys that you mentioned, Eric Gibron, Robert Spillane, who is filled in for linebacker Devin Bush, who's out for the season with the season ending injury. And also Bud Dupree, who lined up opposite TJ Watt, is also out with the season ending injury. And so you look at that week six matchup where the Browns got blown out by the Steelers. Those were two guys that played in that game in Bud Dupree and in Devin Bush, both impact players for the Steelers defense. They're out with season ending injuries. And so those are two guys that you don't have to worry about from the Steelers front seven that absolutely wreaked havoc for opposing teams running games and opposing teams quarterbacks. And so I would imagine it'll be a lot closer of a matchup like you saw in week 17, but the Steelers are getting a lot of their key players back, a lot of Pro Bowl, a lot of all pro players back, which is why they're a four or four and a half point favorite headed into Sunday night's matchup. Yeah, I mean, those guys are huge, especially on the defensive line. Later, we're going to talk about one of our keys to the game, which is controlling the line of scrimmage. And that's something the Steelers can push with guys coming back like Pouncey and Hayward. But it's just huge, especially with those season-ending injuries, too, of guys like Devin Bush and Bud Dupree. I know their linebacker core has been absolutely depleted, just hit so hard this year. And if that's something the Browns can really target this game, because I know it's been a weak point for them, especially with guys in coverage like Avery Williamson, then it's a point where the Browns can attack them and make a gap in this game. Absolutely. I think, you know, you saw week one when the Browns got blown out by the Steelers. By the Ravens. Or by the Ravens, excuse me. When excuse me, when they played the Steelers last, when was that, week? Week six. Six. They got blown out. Devin Bush, I believe, was healthy for that game. and That's where he got hurt, too. Right, and... You know, Baker just could not throw against the Steelers. The Steelers answered any questions on who was the best defense in that league at the time. You know, really, like we said, controlling the line of scrimmage is going to be huge because I think you got to get Chubb going. I think that's my number one thing is if Chubb can run the ball effectively, the Browns can hang with almost any team maybe outside the Kansas City Chiefs. It's running the ball and it's controlling the clock. So if you guys want to get right into, you know, one of the keys to the game in terms of the Browns establishing the running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Guys, I like to compare them to almost like the Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield in the backfield. Two top 10 running backs in your backfield. I think Chubb's a top three guy. And it's one of those things where it's like, because the Steelers don't run the ball effectively, they're one of the worst teams in the league. And for whatever reason, they have not been able to get the game going. The key for the Browns is going to be to get out to an early lead and then you can just continue to feed Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt over and over and over again to where if the Browns are going to win this game, I would love to see Chubb get like 20, 25, maybe 30 carries. And whichever guy has the hot hand or whichever guy's fresh is the guy I want to see back there in the Cleveland Browns backfield. And I think that's the one chance that they have in this game over the Steelers because the Steelers, they really, really struggle to run the football. And again, it's Big Ben now deciding, hey, we're going to go four wide outs. We're going to go empty sets. I'll get the ball out quickly, and we'll almost use that as an extension of the running game because whether it's James Conner back there, rookie Anthony McFarlane, Benny Snell, 
no guy has really been able to get it going in the offensive line for whatever reason. Steelers offensive line has been banged up, but that has just been something that the Steelers have not been able to do this season. And that's why their offense has struggled at times. If you can get Big Ben and the Steelers offense off the field quickly, if they're not able to establish the passing game, controlling the clock and keeping your defense off the field is why I do that. that if the Browns are going to win this game, that's what they're going to need to do to come out victorious against the Steelers. Yeah, we have it written down right here. If the Browns can force the Steelers to be truly one-dimensional like their offense is, then you can really hone in on that passing game and try to stop it. And our good friend Ethan brought up a point. He said how the Steelers' de- uh, offense is so one-dimensional and how three quick passes could get you off the field in 30, 40 seconds, and you throw that defense right back on the field and you tire them out. And what have the Browns been great at doing this year? Really wearing and tearing down opposing defenses with that run game. So like you said, Mark, starting off with a lead and just pounding the ball, if they can do that with Chubb and Hunt, then the Browns can get a good and early lead and just start to expand it and keep like ripping it up. And you guys know this living in Cleveland too. This game's going to be played at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. We're in January, though. The weather's not going to be a certainty this time of year. So trying to tackle those guys in a September-October game is hard enough. I go back to the first-half touchdown that Nick Chubb had, 47-yarder, to open up the game. Yeah, he makes Minka Fitzpatrick miss. Minka Fitzpatrick's an an all-pro safety, fellas. It's not like he's a scrub. It's not like he's a backup player. In a one-on-one scenario, you make a guy miss, and those are the kind of plays that you're going to need to make if you're going to win a playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. I think something that you said, John, that really stuck out to me was getting a lead early to establish the run game. If you can establish Nick Chubb, right, and then bring in a fresh Kareem Hunt when the Steelers' defense is getting tired, that's going to be really tough for the Steelers to handle. And then on the Steelers' side of things, you know, like you said, if they can establish a run game, that's great. I don't think they will. But I think an X factor for their offense is Deontay Johnson, the most targeted receiver on their team and someone that Big Ben just loves to go to on those short passes. And you saw Deontay Johnson burn us a couple times last week, but if if he really gets going and almost acts as a running back in the sense where he's getting these little short yardage gains and that helps the Steelers control the clock, then that's going to be a really, pro- a really big problem for the Browns. Jack, you hit the nail on the head there because Deontay Johnson, a few weeks ago, he was leading the league in drops. He still might be. I'm not sure. But he's one of the highest drop percentages in the NFL. But when he catches the ball, he's one of the most elusive receivers in the league. So if he can hang on to the ball, and he has in recent weeks, and I will credit Big Ben Roethlisberger in the sense that he hasn't given up on Deontay Johnson. Steelers in the Sunday night matchup a few weeks back against the Buffalo Bills, Johnson had two early drops, and Mike Tomlin and the Steelers brass decided to bench Johnson and for good reason. But when that happened, they did not have a single player who could take the top off, off the defense, whether that comes out of the backfield. I know Chase Claypool is a pretty good downfield threat, whether he's coming down with a deep pass or drawing a defensive pass interference, but they didn't have that guy that could create separation on the outside and win one-on-one matchups as consistently as Johnson does Again, the key is, is does he actually catch the ball? And it's, it's, it's not, you know, blaming your hands. It's a concentration thing in terms of watching the ball all the way in. When he does that and when he's in space, he's effective as any receiver that there is. 
but he has had problems in the middle of the season with that, something we haven't seen for the last few weeks, but that will be a key if that reemerges. But there's a reason why Big Ben hasn't gone away from him because we see how stagnant the Steelers' offense is when he is not effective. And since we're on that topic, I just want to mention for the Browns, like strong tackling is going to be so important. You said Deontay Johnson, how elusive he was after the catch. If you can, Deontay Johnson, it's really hard to guard a slant. Like the slant might be almost a guarantee as, that you're going to catch it. But if you can limit any yards after the catch, which is something that Deontay is really good at, that's going to help, you know, slow this Pittsburgh offense quite a bit. So, again, watch Deontay Johnson as he, I think he'll be a really big factor in this game. And just hopping on to that strong tackling real quick, that's something the Browns secondary has really had a problem with this year, especially with someone like Andrew Sandejo. And I know he's improved these past couple weeks, but he's at the top of the NFL and missed tackles. And so are some of these corners. They just can't wrap up and bring him down. So, like you said, he's elusive, and it's going to be tough for the Browns to make those tackles, but they're going to be a key to the game. Well, let me flip this on you guys, right? Other than Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward when he's on the field, who on this bronze defense do you inherently trust? I think one person that has really stepped up this year and that has kind of shown people that he's a legit part of this defense is B.J. Goodson. Now, I know that the Browns really don't have that other middle linebacker that's going to wrap up all of those tackles like Joe Schobert, for example, last year. But with B.J. Goodson out these past two weeks, I think – it's really shown how valuable he truly is to this defense. Just getting guys in position, making key tackles, and just leading this defense. While you're on that topic, I'll mention Malcolm Smith. B.J. Goodson and Malcolm Smith were both guys that the Browns didn't have last week due to COVID-19. They were on the IR. You know, Malcolm Smith has been great in coverage. And you said, who do we trust? I don't, look, Malcolm Smith and B.J. Goodson are not T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and, you know, the guys the Steelers have. <laughs> or Devin Bush. Right, so to say you trust them fully is not, I, I can't go that far. But getting them back, I think, is something that is going to be really important for the Browns. And those are guys that I think are underrated who can make a really big impact. Real quick while we're on that topic, Malcolm Smith's coverage grade is 79, which is sixth among linebackers in the NFL. This is all per PFF. He ranks 12th among linebackers with an overall grade of 70.8, and he is currently second on the Browns roster in tackles. This is a guy that I think a lot of people, even Browns fans, might not really know about, but he's made a huge impact with such with our depleted linebacker core. Yeah, a young linebacker core that really doesn't have much experience. Jack's kind of in my brain here in the sense that if the Steelers are going to split up four out wide, five out wide, Big Ben likes to do the empty sets, you're not going to have a thumper like a B.J. Goodson who it doesn't have the luxury of speed, is a very short tackler once he gets there. But if the Steelers are going to play out in space, that's something that they make defenses do. One of you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, and I think this is a really important point in terms of Big Ben has really gotten the ball out quickly this season at this point in the season maybe hold the ball a little bit longer and at least take a few deep shots downfield a few times per quarter maybe two or three times per quarter to keep the defense honest uh, number one and then number two even if you don't complete the downfield pass if you're able to get a pass interference penalty remember it's not like in college where it's an automatic 15 yards it's from the spot of the foul so if, if they can do that in terms of taking a deep shot maybe to a Deontay Johnson or taking a deep shot to a Chase Claypool that at least keeps the defense honest from the Pittsburgh Steelers standpoint. I, I love that point you just made because, you know, Mike Tomlin is a very savvy coach 
and, and I want to give credit to Mason Rudolph. He threw some really accurate deep balls last week. But just seeing how effective that deep ball was against the Browns last week, I, I completely agree. I do think they'll have to take a couple more deep shots just to keep them honest. Yeah, just take the top off of the defense. And like you said, Claypool is someone that can kind of get it done there, but they don't have that sure shot, deep shot guy. So it'll be a pro- not a problem for them, but something that's sort of questionable. But I don't think it's something that you can avoid. Like you have to take deep shots on this Brown secondary. Mm-hmm. Well, especially because the Steelers don't have that home run threat out of the backfield either. James Conner's a great story. He's a Pittsburgh guy. He went to school at Pitt before becoming a Pittsburgh Steeler. But and maybe you can blame some of this on the offensive line or just the fact that they haven't committed to running the football for several weeks now. I could not tell you the last Steelers game that I watched where they ran the ball more than they threw it. And when the season first started, part of the reason why Big Ben got rid of the ball so quickly was, okay, if he's 38 years old and year 17, we've got to try to keep him healthy once we actually get to the postseason because if he's not out there, we saw what happened to the Steelers last year with Mason Rudolph at the helm. He might be an adequate backup. He at least gave the Steelers a shot to win on Sunday without a lot of the key guys on the Steelers out there playing. But he's not the successor to big to Ben Roethlisberger. He's not. And that is clearly evident, especially going back to you got Lamar, you've got Baker, and you've got Joe Burrow in this division. You've got a lot of talent at the quarterback position. So father time catches everyone. And now's the time of year where it's Big Ben's got to unload the clip. Whatever he's got left, you got to see it out there and you got to lay it all on the line on Sunday. Right. And I just wanted to hit back on something you said earlier. You said the Steelers are going to have to sit back in the pocket a little bit more and take some more time on their throws, especially since they've been so used to getting their passes out fast. So I I think that's the opposite for the Browns. I think it's going to be key for them this weekend to get the ball out fast and really utilize the play action this weekend. The Steelers have been great with pressuring opposing teams, especially with that defensive line. Like we've talked about Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt. And Baker has not performed well under pressure throughout his entire career. And it's something the Steelers have done a really, really good job whenever we match up with them. So if Baker can really utilize his tight ends against the Steelers' depleted linebacker core, utilize that play action, and get the ball out fast, then I think the Browns could be more than a running game and get some passing yards, move the ball down the field, and run the clock out. One guy who I want you guys to focus on from a defensive standpoint, it's fun to watch TJ Watt off the edge. It's fun to watch Cam Hayward, but Mike Hilton in the nickelback position. Guys, this guy has made plays all over the field for the Steelers this season, and he has three-plus sacks, three-plus interceptions, so he's in rare air among Steelers defensive backs who have ever done that in their career. And in my opinion, Hilton should have been a Pro Bowl player as a nickelback is as a cornerback and he's only he's listed at like five nine i think he's really like five seven five eight but he flies all over the field and so he's a guy who could come off the edge and even blitz baker mayfield on a passing play they don't always drop him back in coverage from the knuckleback position he almost plays like a linebacker would and i i know with baker though they always bring up the stats of oh he's not great under pressure like what 
quarterback is great under pressure. So that I, I know that's going to be a key and the Steelers are going to blitz and they're going to get after him and everything, but the, all the Baker Mayfield haters, and these are the same people who have now gone in the closet now that wanted to bring Case Keenum in to start over Mayfield when things weren't going right for the Browns. Keenum wasn't going to flip the Browns record when they were like, what, four and two after the blowout losses to both the Ravens and the Steelers during the first go around. But those people were out there in the Browns fan base because I heard it from people who listen to the Browns Nation Station, and I'm sure you heard it from people who listen to your show as well. So, like, yeah, I, I can cherry pick stats and show you Baker Mayfield's not good under pressure, but you see what he does this season when he has continuity in his third season with his fourth different head coach. Like, we always want to point to, oh, this quarterback's struggling. Let's just supplant him and get him a new one. The question you should ask yourself is, who are his coaches? And is there stability there? Is there stability with ownership, with your GM, with your head coach, your coordinator, your quarterback's coach, and your quarterback? Because those are the most important roles within a franchise. And Baker Mayfield's finally getting that. And you're seeing what he does this season and leading the Browns to the playoffs for the first time since the 2002 season. That, yeah, exactly. That was so evident this year. If, and if anyone says you want to give up on Tua, for example, I hear people saying that the Dolphins should draft a quarterback at three. That's ridiculous because... Like you said, I mean, Baker Mayfield is the example of not giving up on a quarterback. Freddie Kitchens, had he had no success. Baker, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Baker was not a good quarterback last year. Through 21 picks, you can't do that. But he has absolutely bounced back and answered, like you said, put all of those haters in the closet and, and really shown that he's the franchise guy. And, you know, getting a guy weapons and having that continuity is such an important factor for a quarterback success that you can't, and it's probably partially the reason that the Browns for so long couldn't find a quarterback is because they never had continuity with the rest of their team. So I, I love that point that you just brought up. Well, think about this too. Baker Mayfield a season ago sacked, what, 40 times? What's that number this season? I know it's not as high as 40. And <laughs> he even mentioned last year that he put on weight to try to survive because he was running for his life. And you talk about a Browns franchise where your starting tackle a year ago gets busted in the offseason for selling <laughs> kilos of drugs. 170 this was the Cleveland Browns organization. That wouldn't fly this year. It no. would not fly this year because you have adults in the building and it starts from the top down. It starts from the ownership and the GM and what the expectations are down. And that's what Kevin Stefanski, who I think should be coach of the year, walked into in the sense that He's had years and years and years of turmoil. And just watch, just watch. John Dorsey's going to say, hey, I'm the guy who turned the Kansas City Chiefs around, and I'm the guy who turned the Cleveland Browns around while he walks into his next front office role. And he does deserve some credit. But enough credit cannot be given to Stefanski and Andrew Barry, who made it a priority to upgrade the offensive line in bringing in Jadrick Wills out of the draft out of Alabama at left tackle, Jack Conklin, a right tackle, a big free agent signing who paved the way for King Henry's rushing title a season ago, Wyatt Teller's development, and maybe you credit Bill Callahan, the Browns offensive line coach, probably the best offensive line coach in the NFL. But you actually have adults in the building now, which is something you have not been able to say about the Cleveland Browns franchise in years, years and even decades. You're talking about almost a generation's worth of fans. Yeah, you finally get that QB, coach, GM alignment, and, and you see what can happen with the franchise. Yep. So moving on, I think we want to get into predictions a little bit. 
and this is for the Browns game coming up next Sunday. Mark, we'll start with you. What is your prediction for this game? And if you want to expand on any of that, feel free. All right, I'm going to give you guys a throwback. So the last time that the Browns were in the playoffs, they played the Steelers, January 5th, 2003. A thriller, Kelly Holcomb at the helm, 36 to 33 was the final score. And that's the final score I'm going to pick for this one. Steelers win at home. And I think it comes down to the difference at field goal kicker between both positions. Chris Boswell for the Steelers, again, historically one of the most accurate kickers if he can come back from injury. I think he'll do well. But then Cody Parkey, guys, and this is coming from someone who watched him as a Bears fan in that 2018 playoff game against the Eagles. Everyone knows about the double doink. But earlier in the season, in a game against the Detroit Lions, Parkey hit the upright four times in a game. <laughs> go play the lottery, go play the lottery twice. I've asked 538 to try to run a statistical probability of hitting the upright four <laughs> times in a single game. And during that season, he was a 76.8% field goal kicker. He's obviously been much higher for the Browns. But you saw what happened in the Week 17 game when you needed a field goal from 53 yards. Stefanski puts the offense back on the field and they don't convert on a fourth and seven. Late in the playoffs when you need a clutch kick, you have to be able to rely on your kicker. I don't have a whole lot of faith on Cody Parkey, and I think it could come down to a field goal whether he makes or misses it, and he has a history of doing that. So I'm going to take the Steelers 36 over the Browns 33. I love it. John? So I am going to take the Browns 28-24, to 24, a little bit lower scoring. I think the Browns will get it done on the ground. I think they're going to control the line of scrimmage for once, especially after the Steelers tore them up. Last game, it was Chris Hubbard and Jack Conklin on the line, and Stephon Tewitt and TJ Watt really tore them apart. But I think the combination of Wyatt Teller back and Jack Conklin will really help this run game excel, and I think Baker will be able to pass for two touchdowns too and lead this round to a 28-24 victory. So, all right, so I'll, I'm going to kind of round things off. Mark, you had the thriller, and don't get me wrong, I would love to see that. Brown's first playoff game in forever, and, you know, prime time. I would love to see a high-scoring game. I don't think that's what we're going to see. I have it 21-20 Browns. I agree. I think it's going to be a field goal game. I think it's going to be super close. That might just be the Browns fan talking in me, but, again, I think that, the Browns are really going to control the clock. I don't know if I think the Steelers' offense can get it going. And, and both de- both teams' defenses, I think, are going to step up. I know that the saying that about the Browns' defense sounds a little crazy, but the Browns, you know, they're capable when they really put their heart into it. And when you've seen the Browns, like in the Ravens game, right, when they have something to play for, this team just comes together in a different way. So 21-20 Browns. If the Browns do upset the Steelers, and if the Ravens are one and done in the playoffs again, I want you guys to remember this conversation about how much the narrative changes of Lamar Jackson's an awesome talent coming off an MVP season. The Ravens look really scary right now. Long-term big picture, I will take Baker Mayfield over Lamar Jackson because of what history has shown us in this league. We know what a quarterback who can make throws from the pocket can do in the postseason. A running quarterback, Lamar Jackson's not been able to do it. And there are people out there that say, well, he does a great job at avoiding hits. 
It only takes one to get got, fellas. It only takes one. And so watch what happens if the Browns do upset the Steelers and the Ravens are one and done for a third consecutive season. I know Jackson and Mayfield are still in their third season. So, you know, don't say, oh, this is going to determine the rest of their career. But what what has history showed us about the quarterback position in terms of how both players are successful? And that's why I like Mayfield more than Lamar Jackson for the trajectory of their careers. Well, thank you for bringing a hot take to the hottest take, Mark. <laughs> well, guys, I appreciate you having me on. You can check out my work. Uh, I'm at MD Bergen. That's M-D-B-E-R-G-I-N. I host both the Believe in Steelers podcast as part of the Believe Podcast Network with my guy, Ike Taylor, 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then the Bronze Nation Station. I host that on behalf of bronzenation.com. And so we're on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows. But guys, I really appreciate you having me on. And I can't wait to watch this one between the Steelers and Browns. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a throwback all the way to my youth the last two times that these teams played in the playoffs. But I, I certainly can't wait for Sunday night's matchup. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely electric. I'm excited to see it. And we're thankful for you taking your time and coming on the show today, Mark. Yeah, Mark, you were brilliant. You brought up some great points. And it was great to meet you and talk to you. And again, I'm looking forward to this game. And hopefully we can have another podcast coming out next week if the Browns do prevail. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Ilya on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Also, make sure you go give Mark a follow on Twitter at MDBergen. Huge thanks again to Mark for taking his time to come on the show. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time. We'll